have tuned into Geek Elite Radio. Good luck. The future comes, and now my watch begins. It shall not end until my death. I shall miss no game, withhold no news, report all rumors. I shall wear no jerseys and plead allegiance to no side. I shall live and die on my webpage. I am the word in the darkness. I am the watcher of the TV. I am the megaphone that informs the realms of geek. I pledge my hands and name to the Geek's Watch, for the Geeks and all the Geeks to come. Welcome back for another week on the Geek's Watch. And I just want to say, I hope everybody's having a happy New Year's Eve right now. Um, you're probably New Year's Eve, more than likely you're listening to this after New Year's Eve. So I hope everybody had a great New Year's Eve. Um, we're once again back talking about Stranger Things Season 2, and we have two episodes left. We're going to go ahead and knock out both of those episodes, John, in this episode. Sounds good to me. So, so we got episode 8 of, or I'm sorry, chapter 8 of Season 2 and chapter 9 of Season 2, uh, respectively, The Mind Flare and The Gate. So, okay. we finally learned the name of that multi-tentacled creature right not the vessel hydra vessel hydra that's right that's what we threw out they, they threw out there earlier uh in the season yeah a mind flare so what do you make of that it's interesting that uh it's a very lovecraftian looking character mm-hmm. with a cephalopod head and uh tentacles and you know mystic wizard robe um i don't know how it applies though well, I mean, you got, you got. Was it? It's it's uh, Mike that goes into the whole thing, right? Or no, it's Dustin. It Dustin. Dustin, actually. Yeah, yeah Mister. He brings out his like bestiary of Dungeons and Dragons to explain it. I, I don't know if in 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 that edition that they had Monsters Manual. I don't know how the first edition of Dungeons and Dragons went, but yeah, he pulls out his manual or whatever, and he he points to it, and I love how. <laughs> I I know we're skipping we're skipping wait right into episode nine as yeah. opposed to eight, but just want to talk about that um you got hopper going like this is a game what what are you you talking about we're talking about real life here and i'm like your real life involves fucking creatures that are jumping in and out of children's bodies and uh you know a multi-headed dog thing that chews on people so i mean you can kind of go ahead and go with whatever's in this book maybe it will help you out and then dustin even says it he's like this is the best we got right now, so unless you got something more, maybe just listen to what I have to say. Yeah, it's that whole, like, the innocence of children, you know, from the mouth of babes springs truth or something to mm-hmm. that effect. And, uh, yeah, it's like only through, like, innocent eyes can you really see what's, I guess, going on. But it does bring up a good point. It's like, how exactly do you know that this is what this is? You know? like, <laughs> no, you're I, right. Yeah, they're just jumping to it. They're just relating something supernatural or uncommon to something that they understand 
Yeah, paranormal, I would say, yeah. Yeah. This is the closest approximation. So that makes sense. Yeah, I like that. that Which then... But that that made me it made me think the other direction. Be like, I wonder if in a future episode they're gonna go and talk to the people that created Dungeons and Dragons and be like, Did you have do you have like some kind of knowledge of what's going on in the upside down? I, I secretly hope that that's kinda where they're going. Wouldn't that be awesome? They're gonna have to go to Gary Gygax and see, like <laughs> find out that he's he's number one. <laughs> he was he's the zero first zero one. Yeah. <laughs> that's good that'd be pretty awesome. I I, I mean he's gonna give him their uh what is it mace plus one to take yeah, out the mind flare? He's got like real artifacts and all these <laughs> things. Yeah. Um, I have to say, I really dug these two episodes. These are this is what I was I was wanting for the season. I'm glad that we finally got to this point. I felt maybe I mean I probably am not in the minority in saying that it took too long for this to happen, but uh, I do. I have to say I did enjoy um, the dynamic where we got the group back together. Yeah, we definitely could have gotten here sooner if we didn't go through episode seven. <laughs> <laughs> but we would have. We, we we needed to see Elle get stronger with her powers. Obviously, she needed it when having to fight the Mind Flayer. See, I still think that they could have saved that for next. See, how much cooler would it have been if when she makes her dramatic entrance, and of course that we're skipping to the end of episode eight here, but. When she makes her dramatic entrance and she's already like 10 times more powerful than the last time she was around. Before she could break windows, you know, push swings and random objects here and there. This time around, she was like much more controlled. She was like full-on Jedi mode. She could like levitate things with like precision and like cars and other things that, you know, normally would take all this effort. She was just like overpowered. And we're like, what happened? And she was like, a good question for another time. <laughs> So then that that would have been the two episodes in season three. You would yeah, have been upset about that. They could have done that in season three. It's been like, oh, in this one time, Ellen went <laughs> here, like, have that side quest there. Or they could maybe even done, like, a web. You know what? They should have done a webisode. Oh, that would have been They could have broken it up. I mean, technically, it's already a webisode. It's on Netflix. It's it's on the web. Yeah, but this one could have been, like, free, where you don't have to be a, a Netflix member to see this. Like, it could have been on YouTube. And then, like, you know, people who are fans would be like, oh, so that's what happened. It'd be, like, supplemental. It'd be, like, the appendices for, like, Lord of the Rings. No, I, I do not want to have to go and watch the more of the story somewhere else. This well, you don't, you don't have to do that. You just can as a bonus. No. <laughs> okay, fair enough. That would, that would have been definitely something different. It would have been interesting. Maybe. But that's not what they did here. So... Uh, I have a I have a little inquiry theory maybe. Mm-hmm. The re- do you think maybe the reason they one of the reasons they decided to go with the look that they gave her in chapter seven uh, with the slick back hair is because when they came back to her joining up with the rest of the group and having to do her cool power stuff they wanted to give her the no hair look that she had in the first season but without shaving off her head shaving off her hair maybe it did make her look cooler having the kind of slick back hair and raccoon eye makeup (laughs) that smoky look yeah well it definitely runs a lot when later on she's trying to close up the gate (laughs) her eyes are all like the the makeup's just all running and and stuff it it looks crazy all over the place yeah both noses because she was using so much power 
She was using so much power, she had to throw up her other hand. Yeah. That's like, <laughs> that's like double the uh, psionic ability. You think she had to use both sides of her brain at that point? Maybe. Maybe she, she like, fused both halves of her brain together, so it's just one giant lobe. Oh, man, that reminded me of the movie uh, Brain Damage. You ever see that one? Mm-mm. That might have to be one of our scary movie march that we end up doing. Okay. It's... Uh, well, long story short, it's this little alien that looks like a turd. Literally, it's like the size of a turd. Oh, no. But it shoots a drug into your spinal column. But it also feeds off brains. So if you want to keep it happy, you got to you know, feed it brains. However you get that, it's up to you. Mm. Um, but when the guy ends up overdosing, like his head just basically starts splitting open. <laughs> and like light comes pouring out. I'm like, I wonder if that's going on inside Elle's head. Like, just... It's on the verge of just busting open with power. Can <laughs> be contained by this mortal shell? I, you know, I don't know. That, that's an interesting thing. You know, I do, I do wish that they would get into more of the science side of both uh, of both what's happening with Will and what's happening with L. And yeah. that is one thing that I I did like that Hopper like said to. Um, the new doctor, um, Paul Reiser's character. It's like, we you know when we get through this, maybe you will help out uh, L to figure out, you know, what, you know, how to, she can live a normal life. Yeah. So, I mean, just the implications of that, maybe that we're going to have a more scientific look at her powers and maybe even Will's connection to the upside down and stuff like that. I mean, I know we kind of got that with this season, but it was more of like, like, perim- like perimeter te- tests. I don't know the best way to put it, but just like test around Will to see like what is you know how does he feel and stuff like that. But I- how would you feel about that in the next season? Yeah, they weren't very invasive. I thought mm-hmm. they were like kind of just observing him more than anything. Right, it's very passive. Yeah, it's like they really do need to like start doing biopsies and stuff. You know, collect organ samples, maybe uh, you know minor. Uh, lobotomy here and there. <laughs> okay, now you're getting a little crazy. <laughs> um, speaking of Will, how long do you think the mind flare was in control of his body? Because as we see in this, like when obviously when he was, he couldn't remember anybody other than mom. Yeah. Like that wasn't him. I would say maybe around that time he yeah. was starting to lose it. Yeah. Because they figured out pretty quickly after they realized he was a spy. Uh, I was like, oh, we got to tackle this a little differently. And uh, that was kind of an ingenious idea until it was ruined by something as simple as a telephone ringing. So that's what I thought was weird. The whole, um, we have to take him to a place where he doesn't know where it is so that he can't report back. But yeah, how, I mean, I just feel like they should just be able to circle in on him because of his mind anyway. Kind of just sense where he is. Yeah, because like, he's got the connection to him. Triangulate him. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, yeah, that's kind of a weird thing. They didn't really fully explain it, but I guess it's more based on, like, observation. Like, if they know where you are, they can come for you, but if you don't know where you are, is you're kind of, like, lost. Does it's, he, like, 
line of sight. Is is he like dropping a pin on Google Maps and sharing it out to his friends? Is that Basically, what I think that's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> but how does the phone make a difference? I mean, it didn't have. It didn't seem like an odd ring to me. I think he just realized that oh, the phone's ringing, and then he realized he was in a shed, and then it, that he put two and two together. Oh, he was in the shed in his backyard. Up until then, because I think they covered up the walls. The only thing he'd have to go by is the size of the room. Mm. Um, and I but, mean, he, obviously, the shed being in his backyard, he's been in it before. He was yeah. in there in season one, too. But that was Will, not the Mind Flayer. That's true. See, that's a- See but I, I always felt like the Mind Flayer had access to some of Will. But but yet not the memories of his best friend and the memory of his mom's name and his brother. No, that's where it gets tricky. <laughs> I got the general gist of like locations and stuff, but not names. Yeah. Um. Well, I mean, every all, all humans look the same to the mind flare. I'm sure you know. He could tell other mind flares apart. You know, like you know the back of his multi tendrilled hand. But <laughs> humans are just you know pink fleshy blobs of or you know organics i guess fair enough that, that makes sense um uh, uh what was i gonna say i don't know i hopper and interrogating <laughs> the mind flare like it, I, I really felt like he was gonna go into some like military guantanamo bay looking stuff at that moment but he <sighs> didn't end up going that direction you know waterboarding will would have been really like a bold move to take <laughs> yeah right <laughs> um you wouldn't even have have to have heard him just grab like a one of those blue vines and like stick it with a match or something and yeah that's yeah, true it's just yeah I mean, now later on when they take him to the cabin and you know joyce goes crazy with the um heaters well, one, I just want to say, knowing from working in a small office, space heaters tend to knock out breakers very easily. Yeah. Now, they had like six of them on and one, and she turns them all cranked up. Like, I don't understand how the power was staying on in that, that cabin. Well, I'm guessing that maybe Hopper has some kind of non-standard wiring in his <laughs> cabin there. That you could get away with if you're the sheriff. <laughs> I guess. And, and no one really knows about the cabin out there. Yeah. And no one comes out and checks or out. Or who's going to go against the sheriff, you know? Like, that That wouldn't be a wise move. Yeah. You know, I have to, I'll have to say, uh, phones do not do well in the buyer's home. No. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's been established in season one. Yeah. Yeah. If you're a phone, you're not going to last very long. You're like a red shirt. <laughs> yeah, you're like a red shirt. Um, or I, if you're a Bob, what did you? Th- oh, <laughs> we're gonna get to that. Don't worry. <laughs> uh, what did you think of uh, uh, Nancy, like just jabbing Will with the the red hot poker? Dude, Nancy turned real ruthless in this season. <laughs> like Nancy gives zero fucks <laughs> about anything. Like I, I get it that she need, it needed to be done so that you know to get the the mind flare out, but like that's still gonna be Will's body afterwards. So he's got yeah. a giant gash wound burn mark on this on his hip now what if she would have went like in deeper and like into his into his stomach now that kind of reminded me a little bit of uh speaking of like easter eggs uh from a while ago um that was very like temple of doomlish for me when they were coming at him with the the poker and then he uses it to burn his ropes 
Might to think, uh, might thinking of well to like movie. snap out of the uh, the trance that he was in. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. when he was like under the control of uh, whatever that Kalima was, was it also Kalima? <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe I don't know. It's <laughs> yeah, that that volcano demon thing in the cave, whatever that was. That was such a weird Indiana Jones movie. That was the last Jedi of Indiana <laughs> Jones movies. <laughs> I like the Temple of Doom, but that's probably because it's the first one I saw. I didn't, I didn't see uh, Ark of the Covenant first or Lost Raiders of the Lost Ark. Sorry. Yeah, you know what? It was actually the first one I saw too, and at the time I loved it because I thought that that minecart chase was like awesome. <laughs> yeah, it was. Um, but yeah, later on when I really thought about it, like I found Billy to be really annoying and kind of just weird because. It didn't have to do with like Christian mythology. It had to deal with, and that's kind of what I thought it was going to be. Well, okay, we're getting off on a weird tangent there with Indiana Jones. That's but, okay. Um, yeah, maybe we'll have to do a retrospective on that series someday. But uh, yeah, I like that. Uh, that's that's kind of what I was getting from that. Is that it was an homage to Indiana Jones and Temple of Doom, where you burn somebody with a hot poker and it. Wakes them up out of their it, trance. Yeah, it knocks them out of the, the, the control that they're under, the spell, essentially. Well, I mean, we've already seen a couple of references to Indiana Jones in the in the, in the the show, so why not? Uh, toss me the whip. <laughs> um, all right, let, let's talk about Bob. Bob, Super Bob, has uh, come to, to be known a little bit. Bob the Brave. Bob the Brave. Um, yeah, he doesn't quite make it out of Hawkins Labs. No. Well, let's get into that. So, uh, I guess in, another thing that's somewhat of an homage, the power goes out when the demo dogs start to break through the, the gate area. Um, so, Jurassic Park? Of Well, Jurassic Park homage, I think. That's what I'm saying. Is this, is this a Jurassic Park homage? Yes, yes. Uh, the, I mean, the animals are breaking loose. Uh, they lose power. And they realize they can bring power back on. But they're going to have to reboot the system using, like, basic or whatever. I like that they, he gets into that whole thing with Hopper. He's like, and Hopper's like, all right, just teach it to me. He's like, what? You just, I'll just teach you French, too, while we're, we're standing here. But, like, like... Just tell me what to type. That's all. Have, has, it, has it been established in the show that he knows computers? Um, not that he's like fluent in programming, but he is like running that, but it's like uh, a radio shack, that radio shack. And they make a few passing references that he's kind of like a tech dude. So Um, obviously he knows how to, this is the first time they mentioned that he can full on do like basic in the eighties when like that wouldn't be a commonplace thing. I mean, even now it really isn't, but, um, yeah, it didn't really seem like there was any moment where he was, uh, practicing computer programming or anything like that that just to me this whole the whole part of him like well i can do it just seemed out of left field for me i don't know but then again you know he's been the he's been the 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 deus machina throughout the whole series yeah he's always at the the season uh, yeah he's he's got the answers he's figured things out he's he's almost too good for this world (laughs) <laughs> yeah that's a good way of putting it and he just he didn't get to stay around either yeah and and in jurassic park um fashion he got taken out like uh like the the the, the ranger you know because yeah. 
He was he was paying attention to the one that was right in front of him. He wasn't paying attention to the one that's coming from the side. Yep. Because as soon as that girl. happened, he gets he gets taken down by that demi gorgon. I was like, or the demi dog. I was like, clever girl. Yeah. <laughs> They're learning. You know, life <laughs> finds uh, a way. A way. Um, yeah. Is I don't I don't know how I felt about it because so you know I I tried to watch the episodes week to week as opposed to to binging the whole thing but and it was and i tried to avoid as many spoilers as i could um but i thought i saw that bob made it through all the way so when that happened that was actually a very big surprise for me yeah and then i realized why am i surprised this is sean astin of course he's not going to be in this for the whole like series yeah (laughs) if there's somebody that's going to go out it's going to be him well i mean that's kind of i i i really didn't i didn't uh i don't know how to put it i didn't have any hope for any of the new characters to to stick around like i really didn't think that any of them would would make it into further seasons but i I think the only death that we actually had was sean astin's can you think of anybody else? Uh, anybody major? No, that's no, pretty much I, it. I, I mean, Muse. Muse died. The cat. R.I.P. Muse. <laughs> but he got replaced by twos. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he did. Um, no, that's pretty much it. Yeah, there wasn't really anyone else. Um, now, we're also we're getting on a, on a Bob sidetrack here, but I did also want to mention that uh, everybody's favorite bad boy, uh, Billy... It goes on a, a bit of a searching for for Mad Max. So you want to bring up the whole... Uh, I do. M- I Mr. definitely want to bring this up. Mr. <laughs> Mister going to come steal your mom? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, it, I had seen that meme earlier in the year, too, and I, I it now makes sense to me because, <laughs> good God, come walk it up in, that te- in the open-up blouse and... <laughs> Try to hit on uh, Nancy's mom. Yeah. And, I mean, Nancy's mom had it going on, too. She was primed and ready. <laughs> Reading her trashy romance novel in the bathtub. You know what she was doing. Her neglected, neglectful <laughs> husband just sleeping on the in his chair, not answering the phone. Or yeah, answering the door. Just, just the, like the most Hank Hill character ever. Like, <laughs> pure red-blooded American that also doesn't seem to be aware of what's happening around him absolutely no clue of what's going on around him with his family so yeah you imagine this hot young stud comes to your door acting all seductive and what are you gonna do when you were just reading something really steamy be like hey there and you're naked underneath a bathrobe yeah probably still dripping okay stop <laughs> that was disgusting <laughs> look that we have to talk about what happened right before that though with billy you know Ah, yes, we finally got some answers about their home life. So, I mean, I, I, I guess that's their little way of being like, hey, you know, Billy's the way he is because of this, but I didn't even feel sorry for him. Like, I, I, his dad is kind of a dick, which then made me think, like, what is, is the dad going to do something to Max? Does he, does he yell at her? Does he mistreat the wife or whatnot? But... Like I don't know. Like I still didn't feel anything for Billy. I didn't. I I felt like that was like way too little, too late. Yeah, that's one of the downsides. I think that they could have done more is to show us maybe earlier on, mm-hmm. first or second episode, show us that he's a big dick, 
but that's just his way of trying to cope with the fact that his dad is an even bigger dick. Right. And it's like just the cycle of abuse and how that, you know, propagates from like one generation to the next. Right. What an interesting thing. It was very similar, I thought, to kind of like the father-son relationship between uh, the cop and the bully and it. Oh, yeah. Oh, I think that's definitely what they were yeah, going for. It was very much that. So I thought that was kind of interesting. But, yeah, it was too little too late. They, they didn't show enough of it to really make it worthwhile. And then as soon as he's out of that environment, he goes right back to being, you know, basically a prick. And well, in this that, case, kind of entitled or not entitled, but, uh, you know, very like just crudely hitting on like Mike and Nancy's mom. <laughs> like no shame. No shame whatsoever. Uh, and then, yeah, the, oh, you must be here for Nancy. No, Nancy's not my type. It's like, come on. Yeah. Like, and the whole, the, the, what he tells his dad that he's he's on his way to, on, for a date anyways is like, who? Who is <laughs> the person going out with him? Um, But it's so strange that, you know, his dad throws him up against the wall and he's, he's he, I mean, to me, he looked legitimately afraid. And maybe that's because it's his dad and stuff, but I mean, obviously the guy is, I mean, the actor is over 20, but the, the character is probably supposed to be about 18. He's obviously going to be able to hold his own against his dad, but he's afraid and frightened and he's crying. But then you go, he finally makes it to, um, the buyer's house and he, he picks the fight with, uh, with Steve and, I mean, surprisingly enough, I I was surprised that Steve was able to hold his own for as long as he did. Well, Steve was the badass of last season. It just kind of became a bit more domesticated. And Is he a badass? I think he was supposed to be the badass, yeah. I think, Although, it, I think his friend was more of a badass. He was just the cop popular kid. He was just the, the leader of the crew. That's true. The other one was the more brutish one of the two. Yeah. But... Um, yeah, I mean, Steve is still no pushover. He, he, I, I, you're right. You're absolutely right. Yeah, he, he just he wasn't really the, the, the berserker that you know Billy was. No, and he he did get hit in the head with a plate, <laughs> so yeah. it took him out. It took him out of his game. But uh, yeah, I mean, he's sitting there taking those punches from Billy and just kind of like, or from Billy from uh from Steve and just laughing him off, like. I didn't know if that was because Steve isn't throwing a hard enough punch or if he's just psychotic enough that it's not affecting him in the way it should. I think it's a little of both. Okay. And probably if he had been, like, beaten up by his dad, I think punches from someone like Steve would be like, Psh, dude, you got to step up your game a little. <laughs> so that I think that's kind of what was going on there. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, that was, to me, that was quite the intense scene. Like I really did, I really feared for what it was that he was gonna do to either Max or Lucas. Yeah, and ultimately, that's the only real thing that I was like, we didn't get any full resolution as to why he was just so like hateful against Lucas in general, or just was it the, the group thing? Would like, it would have if it was Dustin that was the one that she had a crush on or you know interest in? Would he have been as upset? That's what I wonder. Yeah, me too. Yeah. It, it does. I mean, we have absolutely no indication that his father is racist, but then again, we only have the one scene with his father. Yeah. So we don't know. And we ultimately don't really get a whole lot more about their home life, why they're there. A lot of things are teased, um, but we don't full full on get any resolution. So I don't know. Like, 
they could have done a little more than with that. Like episode seven could have been devoted to the the Billy Matt Max uh, family <laughs> dynamic. Um, I mean the way that she, the way that Max constantly is like you know he's going to kill us he's going to kill me and then he's going to kill you or vice versa like she says it and maybe this is just a uh, uh, you know uh, compliment to the actress the young actress's uh, acting ability but she says that it's very believable that she really believes that he's going to kill them for talking to each other at least to me I'd like to think in my head canon that. Uh, maybe Billy got into like a really bad fight, mm-hmm. either killed or just really, really badly hurt somebody, and they had to move because of that. And Billy's dad, you know, having anger issues of his own, kind of resents him for it, and you know, is somewhat aware that maybe he might be responsible for his, his son's, uh, you know actions and i'm filling in a lot of backstory there myself oh, yeah. to kind of make it more interesting you're, you're but i'd like to see something that like that where it's like it's it's complex it's not like cut and dry there's you know layers of uh you know where responsibility truly lies and where do you go from there and the resentment of what it cost you and not wanting to own up to your responsibilities and all that stuff i thought that could be something you could play around with I should be a screenwriter. <laughs> um, uh, uh, you know, if I were to remember from my uh, idea of movies from the 80s and 90s, troubled kids like that, families, they always threatened with... Uh, boarding school or something. Boarding school or military school. Yeah. So, you know, why? it seemed like his dad might have been a military man. Why not... A, sending him to a military school by this point if he's such a hassle to him he may have already been kicked out of one and that would have led to even more you know i forgot to say that uh we he didn't he did he wasn't racist we didn't see his father be racist but he did throw out the f word he did throw out uh you know the the slur for homosexuality because he's he said his son's looking in the mirror primping himself up like some kind of you know the word and mm. then, uh, so fancy boy, sure. <laughs> Another way of saying fancy boy, <laughs> but yeah. So that was, uh, that there's that kind of bigotry. Yeah. That's definitely that. Hmm. That's interesting. And, and they could have definitely see, I thought from like earlier episodes, there was definitely playing up some kind of homoerotic angle with him. Um, and like doing the whole sweaty shirtless basketball game with the other players and, where it didn't seem like it was necessary. <laughs> not necessary at all. So, and yeah. And the shower room scene afterwards, too, that I'm like, I would not have a he's conversation, just, much less be making eye contact with someone else in the locker room like this. Yeah, he's very, he's, he's much too casual. He was very upfront in, in an com- uncomfortable way. That could definitely be something that happens in, in season three. I guess so. Maybe, yeah. And so, uh, maybe he comes out as a poofter. And maybe that, I mean, that'd be why he'd be hitting on Nancy's mom because it's, it's going after something that he knows that's not going to happen. So it's not, it doesn't, it doesn't out him in any way. So it gives him that extra bit of confidence, meaning that like it's a no lose situation for him anyway. Exactly. That's interesting. Um, now he is wailing on Steve pretty hard. I would have I would have really expected to see more of damage to Steve's face afterwards, but we don't. 
But uh, I did like that Max was finally was like, okay, fuck this. And she grabs the syringe, which luckily enough, there was enough syringes around just hanging around. Uh, pumps him full of the, the the ketamine or whatever it is to knock him out. I'd like to think it was the same thing that uh, Peter Venkman had in Ghostbusters to <laughs> tranquilize. That he, uh, he just randomly had in his pocket yeah, when he was going on a date with Dana? The, yeah, that's... Eesh. Yeah, there's there's things where you when you watch a movie like that as a kid you don't realize and then you grow up and you're like, ooh, what was gonna happen on this date? <laughs> Why do you have that? <laughs> he is a psychologist, so maybe it's just you know in yeah, case of it's, it's in case someone has a psychotic episode while they're out for dinner. Maybe he has maybe he has a doctor's bag in his truck car somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, you know, she then grabs the, the nail bat and threatens to royally fuck him up if she doesn't, if he doesn't leave her alone. Yes. And to drive the point across, she slams it right next to his crotch, which I was like, okay, I'm sold. I'll, I'll behave. (laughs) But see, I always find like threats like that in movies and shows like empty because there's going to be a situation after this where that you're not going to be in the same dynamic. He's not going to be helpless to you and you're still going to be helpless for him because he's four times bigger than you. So what stops him later? I mean, you're not going to be in that same situation later. Is he just going to remember? He's like, Oh, you got me that one time. So I made that promise and I always stick to my promises. Well, I mean, that goes back to it's, that's definitely a trope of like, you finally overpower the bad guy and like he's a changed man for life i, mean, <laughs> I call it the biff tanner syndrome ah uh, but see even with the biff tannin he she he actually punches him like he knocks him out yeah but then he comes to immediately afterwards and he's still going after marty although he's at that point now he's going after marty from the future not the less future but yeah, uh, well, yeah, we're getting we're getting into part two. Then. Now we're going to start. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, what do you think of Max driving the 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 Camaro? That was Firebird? a Camaro. Yeah. Okay. It was a Camaro, I think. Okay. I mean, she's got the blocks on her feet. She's she's driven in a parking lot before. Obviously, doesn't know how to turn that well. Yeah, plus those cars were not very nimble. They were no, kind no. of like piloting boats, basically. Yeah, um, yeah that was kind of cool. That reminded me a little bit of Super 8. When, oh, uh, yeah, I didn't think about that. All the kids take their dad's, or the girl takes her dad's uh, sports car. I think it's a, like a Dayton or something. Yeah, something know. like that. And, uh, yeah, so that kind of reminiscent of that. All the kids <laughs> with Steve in the back thinking that Mike was Nancy momentarily. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which they don't actually look anything alike. They do but. not. No. <laughs> With that, that what the fuck face that Mike gives them, like, <laughs> dude. <laughs> uh, I like that it, you know, because before Billy showed up, he's they they had concocted this i this uh, plan, and he and he's like, no, I am the one in charge. I'm the the one that's closest to being an adult. This is not going to happen. We're all going to stay here. And then he wakes up in the car, and the plan is being worked on. It's it's happening. Yep. That's why he was the babysitter of the year. Now all those memes are making sense too now, aren't they? Those memes are making a little bit yeah. more sense. I never saw the babysitter of the year, but I did see the like uh, 
the parent of the year or something like that. Yeah. And uh, yeah, definitely. Like, I don't know. I think I was expecting more of, or something bigger to happen other than just being a good person and protecting children. But I mean, that's society these days where somebody's not a wacko perv and actually protects children. Like that's <laughs> that's a hallmark of uh, civilization now. I, in this I guess day and age. I, I really guess that's that's a one way of putting it. Uh, yeah, and we you know we see all the advice that he's giving Dustin, even if it is the wrong advice. It, uh, and, and the hair stuff pays off later or does it pay off I guess is one way of looking at it well you, somebody pointed out you know Nancy does have a type because <laughs> she was definitely attracted to Steve and she definitely gives Dustin attention after he took Steve's hair tips but look at Jonathan's Jonathan's hair is very oh but Jonathan's a tortured artist so oh like, that, that's what she really wants she like she's is attracted re- to the pretty you know she is really uh boy. setting herself up for a lot of heartache in the future then well she's an absolute hypocrite too because everything she tells him about girls their age she's still that way too <laughs> oh well yeah she like they don't know what they want and they're like be sorry later you know <laughs> and i was like eh, you should look in the mirror there nancy girl <laughs> Uh, we'll get to the dance eventually. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so there's a once again they're splitting up the group into three three separate groups. We got uh, the Byers and Nancy going to the cabin. We have L and Hopper going to the lab, and you got uh, the rest of the group going to the hub. Because the idea is to attack it on that front while they're also closing the gate. Yes. Like, what? what's the reasoning there? If they already know that if they can close the gate and defeat the Mind Flayer, all the rest of the stuff is going to die off. Yeah, but they needed to be undisturbed, so they weren't going to create a distraction by pulling all the demo dogs away from the gate. Oh. So that they could get in there. Because otherwise, the, the demo dogs were still like roaming around in the, the Hawkins lab. Yeah, that's right. And that that was another thing. Is like there, there's no reason for the for them to stay there. Why wouldn't they go out and attack the rest of the town? But I guess they're protecting the gate. Yeah, they were basically doing that because there were still some people alive. Like we find out that uh, uh, Paul Reiser was still alive mysteriously. Oddly. Yeah. Well, everyone else was killed, even armed guards and Bob the the brave and <sighs> everyone else. Like this doctor who was apparently unarmed. Uh, had little more than a flesh wound on, on his, his leg. leg. Yeah. <laughs> so something's interesting it there. Seems like he should have just stayed in his uh, his surveillance room. Yeah, it seemed I, like I forget, he was best safe there. I forgot how he even ended up out there. Like he just they didn't. It, I don't think it, it really shows. It just he just they walk. Uh, Hopper and L walk back in, and he just he's hanging out in a stairwell. See, I would have liked the theory that uh, like maybe he was infected with uh, mind flare gas or whatever that stuff was. Because uh, we saw that there was some in an earlier episode when they were saying, "Hey, look what happens when we do this." And That's they, true. They, they burn some, and then like the other samples turn into like a little mini vortex. So he had some inside of him. Yeah. So maybe some got inside of him, but uh, nope. It just seems like it was just a straight up. He survived, and we'll get to more of that later as they wrap up the season. But what do you think of uh, Dustin getting sprayed in his face? Is the, is there any long-term effects to that, or is that just... Uh... There has to be, because he wasn't the only one. It was also Hopper. Right, but Hopper wasn't wearing anything to cover his mouth. 
But uh, Dustin got it in his mouth anyway. Even, even did he, he though, was. or did he just freak out? It could go both ways. Um, I'd like to think that he did get some, because that could be setting up for something in the future. Maybe something that doesn't centralize around Will and L. Yeah, like more and more of them are starting to have more things. And like Will could be like a good resource because he'd be the most experienced in the Upside Down at this point. Because um, even though like L was there, Will's the one that's been there the longest and survived it. I didn't think about that. You're right. Yeah, like she goes in, she goes periodically into that like void region, but that's not the Upside Down as no. we've established. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, like it. It almost like it almost feels like Will would be much more like a native of that place now, and mm. just how long he was there and experienced it and kind of knew his way around there. I honestly thought at the end of this episode or the end of the season that we were going to see Will develop some kind of powers and to be different from the first season. Like he was going to be the one that came in and saved the day with his budgeting powers. Or budgeting, is that the right word? Burgeoning. Burgeoning, okay. Yeah, I was, I did kind of also think of something similar where, like, he would, they would find a way to, like, depower or kill the Mind Flayer, but he'd still have the connection to, like, the other creatures, like the Demo Dogs. Oh, wow. So they'd become, like, his minions, basically. Ooh. And uh, I thought that would be kind of a neat way to, to go with it, but ultimately, no, that's not where they went. The, the Demo Dogs, uh, didn't uh, fare too well. No, they all. I mean, but they all kind of just just stopped. They just uh, they stopped moving. Really, they didn't. I mean, it's not like they disappeared or anything, but they also didn't live. It's well, basically, it's that makes it seem like those demo dogs were not were 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 basically the extensions of the mind flare. Right. So when they got cut off, they basically just shut down. Um, whereas you would think if they were you know, sentient creatures or at least uh, individual creatures, they would have just gone around their business and maybe just start looking for food or, you know, survive, but no longer with the purpose of anything specific, you know, for the... Right. No longer evil or good intentions. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't A blank slate that could be trained, which would have been a way of them saving Dart dart for Dustin to train or whatever. But I I guess I kind of liked it better this way. I would rather... that they all just stopped existing. Uh, I thought it was interesting that they they made sure to to show you that this one is Dart because he was eating the Three Musketeers bar and he's yeah. definitely dead too. Yeah, that's the only downside. It, Dart's got to go too. And so, did is that how you felt about that? Is that did, that you know, it's a it, did, was that a, a a somber moment for you that Dart was dead? Absolutely. Oh. I felt like Dart could have been. Uh, you know, the uh, catharsis that this show needed for some kind of bridging of the upside down with the the real world, and you know, Dart could have been like the the ambassador, so to speak. <laughs> there would have been a lot of episodes in the next season of them trying to like dressing up in costume and hiding him, <laughs> like ET and stuff. Oh yeah, this is my dog. He's wearing a he's a ghost dog today. Yeah. And then, like, random dead bodies being found, like, darts. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I never noticed that the, the, the dart had yellow markings, I guess, on, on his backside until Dustin said that. And I was like, oh, I guess we're, we need to keep that in mind now. Yep. And he was the only one, too, that I think had any kind of visual Which is kind of like odd. That. 
Um, to me, I don't know if you remember if you if you watched it or not, but Tremors Two, I believe, it was called Aftershocks. I believe is that the one where they go to Mexico. Mm, yes, yes, they, they go to Mexico. So in inside the big graboids is the the smaller bipedal the ass blaster. No, the ass blaster is part three. So this is just like the ones that that have uh, heat vision. Oh yeah, infrared yeah. vision. They have to use the uh, CO two to right. shield themselves. Yeah. Yeah. So that's uh, that's what these demodogs keep making me think of is those things. Even though those were on two feet and these are on four feet. Yeah, I could see that though. I think it's because of the way the face opens up and the, the mouth uh, opens up. The, yeah, the quadruped looking mouth or whatever. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It. I mean, I I get it. I think that you're supposed to have this uh, emotional reaction to Dart dying, but I really don't feel like the connection between Dart and Dustin was ever really portrayed well. Like I I do feel like the character had a connection to the to the pet, but I don't really feel like it was portrayed well on screen for me to have the also the connection. It wasn't earned. It was not earned. No. No. Uh yeah, it's just so I, I I didn't I didn't feel anything for that part, but um, okay, I guess. See, I would have liked for it to be like the 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 dark creature that the demo dogs were like the infant stage of the demogorgon, and that so that theoretically that the you know dart could have grown up to at some point being bipedal. And being humanoid shaped instead right. of dog shaped, mm-hmm. uh, and that's that would have been like part of its life cycle, because um, ultimately we still don't really know what the demo dogs or the demogorgon really are, because they look like they're completely separate species from each other as well as from the mind flare, right? And as well as what those plants are that were spraying their, you know, oh that's right, spores or whatever that was, like all these different things. We're still not quite sure how they relate together, other than. They're kind of alien from like this other dimension that's a upside down version of our world. Right. Which, as we know, we see at the end of the season, the very last shot is showing us that the upside down is very well still in play. And it hasn't Mind Flayer is still right there waiting Mind, on those kids. Mind Flayer is not dead. Yeah, it's definitely kind of like waiting for his next chance. It's going wherever Will is. That's what it seems like. Yeah. yeah. Um. Okay, let's 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 uh let's talk about the the dance. What kind of DJ plays two slow songs in a row at a junior high dance? Uh, one that's uh, knows that things are starting to get busy. <laughs> it's terrible, <laughs> just terrible. Well, you, I I don't remember dances that much, mostly because I didn't go to them. Mm-hmm. So I really can't say whether or not that's accurate. But I would imagine you'd want to have like. A few songs of a certain type back to back and not go from like a slow to regular or like fast paced, you know, one after another. Right. I mean, wouldn't that well, interrupt the flow? Well, I think the thing I think I remember from junior high and, and going to those dances would be that sweaty palms. Well, there's a lot of that. <laughs> but, you know, the kids are so awkward and shy at that point still that they don't want to do slow dances with each other. So uh, the slow dances were always like few and far between like you have a lot of fast dances so people are moving but then the slow dance everybody kind of separates to their two sides other than the few that are in a quote unquote relationship and are dancing you know so it i just don't think that 
you'd want to downplay the whole thing that much or slow down the whole dance that much at that point. Well, from what I've heard, if any DJ is worth his salt, he knows how to gauge the environment. So if he's sensing that these kids are getting into the groove, he'd probably lay down a few slow tracks just to give them <laughs> a chance, you know. Fair enough. Uh, obviously, imagine, they, yeah. they were into it. They, they, they paired up when the slow song started. and they. Uh, well, except for Dustin, who, in spite of having the best hair of anyone there. <laughs> well, okay, so you have... You have all- he looked like Mario Lopez a little yeah. bit. <laughs> You're right. He looked a little AC Slater-ish. Yeah. Um, so you got, you got Will learning to dance from his mother in, uh, the, the house. You got, um, Mike having to take a picture with, uh, his mom awkwardly. You have, uh, Dustin getting picked up by, uh, Steve to be taken <laughs> to the dance as a big brother type. Mama Steve, yeah. Yeah, and then you got... Lucas just is there. Oh, no, he's he's practicing in the mirror to ask Max to dance. And, of course, you got the sassy sister in there to be like, Oh, because I love you, Lukey. And he, <laughs> I love that he's like, get out of my room. And it's like, technically, she wasn't even in your room. She was on the other side of the door. You just left your door open, which was a rookie mistake. Yeah, like every preteen knows not to do that yeah, by that point. Right? I mean, in, in a few years, he's going to definitely yeah. know that. And he's going to make sure that the lock is locked. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but he's the first one to, to ask... Uh, uh, Max to dance like he's I mean he he stumbles over it definitely goes around and about and then when she calls him on he's like no I don't want to do that but unless you want to we can <laughs> uh, but what'd you think of a girl coming up and asking will the dance and in the most hurtful way of calling him zombie boy yeah well that was conflicting because I was like oh he's not gonna live that down still and she's using that but maybe she's into that you know, that's like a future goth trick in the making, and she happens to like the story of a dude that came back from the dead. And maybe that's like like the meme says, "That's my fetish." That's my fetish. Uh, I just like it. It it kind of sent a a weird message for me. It's like boys are so desperate that they don't care that the girl is making fun of them. That as long as they're paying them attention, it's okay. Sounds about right, yeah. I mean, trust me, there are bad messages sent to little girls too all the time in movies and TV shows. It just, it's, well, I, I find it, fu- I found it funny. The teenage boy mind is not very difficult to decode. So, <laughs> like, I would think it's pretty much the same with the male mind in general. <laughs> it's not very difficult to to decode. Whatever's the goal, that the need I need at that moment, that's all that I'm thinking about. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. Um, doesn't change much. This is true. No, no, no. It just gets more complex. <laughs> so then you leave, it's left with Mike and, and Dustin standing there and Dustin's got, all right, this is my moment. This is my moment to shine. I got my new moves. I got my new hair. I'm going to go and ask the pretty girl to dance because my best friend Lucas is already dating or dancing with the girl that I like. Now, the first rule that Steve taught him was act like you don't care. And he's already breaking that rule. He obviously cares. And then he goes up and asks the girl to dance, and he's not playing it cool. 
Nope, that's also a rookie mistake. <laughs> uh, she she rejects him, kind of laughs in his face. He walks up to some other girls. They reject him before he even gets there. And Nancy sees this and takes it upon herself to go over there and uh, show him pity. But it's enough to be like the rest of the other girls around his age actually. You know, that's, that's another rite of passage that every man has to go through. The uh, the, the pity p- hookup. The, <laughs> the pity hookup, the pity yeah. date. Oh, well, he's getting it out of the way early yeah. then. So that's good for him. He's, yeah, he's, he's knocking him out. <laughs> um. I mean, does that does that score him points? Do you think? I think so because part of it was like now all of a sudden all the girls were kind of looking at him like, whoa, why is that older girl like dancing with him? Like, like we must have like underestimated this guy or something. And so, and and that's all it was. Like she even pointed it out. They're all looking at you now. You know, like they're realizing their mistake, and she's telling them, "Eh, just give it time." You know. Like, yeah, but I mean, wouldn't they? Wouldn't those? Uh, like the other girls also know that that well he's best friends with Mike and that's Mike's older sister so maybe she's just doing him a solid or am I just putting way too much into it I think at that point yeah now you're just giving them too much credit okay uh one thing though is that she's like you know of all my little brother's friends I always thought you were the coolest like I know what she's doing she's like you know giving him the confidence boost that he wants but could she be building a little stalker too a dangerous game she's playing. Yeah, that could definitely backfire. Yeah, I really feel like it could. Yeah. Next thing you know, he's gonna be like hanging out with Mike. Says, "Oh, I gotta go to the bathroom. I'll be right back." And then he sneaks into her room, steals a pair of her underwear, and yeah, that goes down the dark path. Dark, dark path. Yeah. <laughs> like you don't need the upside down. The real world's uh, scary enough. Scary enough. Um. And then finally we get the big, from across the dance floor, L walks in, now known as Jane Hopper, because yes. uh, Paul Reiser has given him a, a birth certificate for her. Yes, which, side note, when that happened, a part of me felt like like my heart grew just a little bit yeah. when I saw that. I was like, oh, that's the- such, a, like, such a sweet, ju- and it, maybe because I didn't see that coming. It was caught me by surprise. Like, A, the doctor turned out to not be a massive jerk hole after all. He right. actually seemed to be kind of a good guy. Um, definitely pulled some major strings with the government to do something like that. And Hopper's finally going to be like an official dad of sorts to, to L. And kind of as as, as an Easter egg, uh, this was not something I caught, but Reddit definitely made it very clear. Um, during season one... Hopper wears a little like blue bracelet. Um, you don't really get any explanation for it because they never blatantly say what that's about. But more than likely, his daughter gave it to him before she died. Well, in the flashbacks, you see that it's uh, actually a hair tie for his oh, daughter. Oh, that's right. You're right. And then when she has cancer and she's now bald, he's wearing it as a bracelet then. So that's where that comes from. So at the end of this scene where uh, Elle comes in, she's not wearing that hair tie. Oh, so it's kind of like now she's become like his daughter in like a much deeper sense than just a piece of paper. Right. So the the piece of paper just kind of cemented it, but emotionally, like they have now taken those roles. So, like I know that they probably didn't do this this scene in my head because you know because of what you're just saying, like the very subverted 
subtle uh, approach might is maybe a little bit more deep and uh, more satisfying but like also the it might have taken away from the whole birth certificate scene but i really felt like at the end when she finally when she actually after she exerted herself so much to uh close the gate and her and hop collapse on that uh lift system like I really thought she was gonna be like, you know, uh, I'm sorry, Dad, or I love you, Dad, or something like that to him, as opposed to saying Papa, because earlier in the season she called him, she said that you're just the same as Papa, mm-hmm. which is what we call Matthew Modine's character, you know, uh, and he's like I'm nothing like him and stuff, because she calls him Papa and she calls uh Mom Mama, because those are the words that she understands. And she's gonna call him Hoppa. Well, I just I really. <laughs> Stop with your boss now. <laughs> I just really thought that it had been, you know, it had been sweet in a moment for him, for her to call him dad or daddy or something, you know, but yeah. it didn't happen. It, but, but obviously, like you pointed out, she's got the, the hair tie around her hair. So they are, yeah, they are a father daughter dynamic. And once again, we get our lone wolf and cub <laughs> or X 23 Wolverine or, you know, X 23. Yeah. I like that. That was a good version of it. Yeah. So that's a that's definitely a, another good move, I guess. Uh, but yes, her and Mike finally get together. They're on the dance floor. Uh, they they share a dance and they also share a kiss as long as well as uh, Lucas and and Max. Yeah, that's uh, it's definitely uh, springtime coming <laughs> soon for these young well, little lovers. It's the snowball. It's <laughs> That's true. <laughs> well, and yeah, also wasn't uh, didn't we also see, uh, um, Billy Jonathan? Jonathan there? Jonathan's like, taking photos. Yeah, he was taking the photos of the the the, of the uh, attendees. Yeah, yeah. So like him, obviously him and uh, Nancy have decided to volunteer their time to chaperone the dance. Yeah, her as the punch and person, sharing and, little looks between each other. Right. So yeah, I mean, we already know what's going on with them. So yeah, <laughs> there's uh, yeah. So I guess they're a thing now. And Steve and looking longingly through the window on the outside. Poor Steve. Poor Steve. I feel bad for him. I don't feel bad for him. <laughs> He's got money. He'll be okay. That's true. He's got good looks. He'll be fine. <laughs> He's got that great head of hair. Yeah. Uh. Uh. What? So. Uh. I were you expecting to see maybe the other two boys also share a kiss? Not with each other, but <laughs> like Will with his zombie fetish girl and maybe Dustin sneaking a kiss with Nancy? No, I think it was fine just the way it was. I'm actually honestly surprised that we that uh, Lucas and Max shared a kiss. I'm surprised they threw that in there too. Yeah. And not so much the whole interracial thing, just the fact that you know, the one we were waiting for was uh, Eleven and Mike. Right. Or Jane now, I guess. Jane. Uh, such a plain name. She's plain Jane. It's... Jane Hopper. Jane. <laughs> <laughs> wow. She's just a country pumpkin now. <laughs> uh and then yes, at the the very last scene is the, the, the upside down making itself a pair in with the mind flare on top of it. What do you expect from next season? I don't have a clue. I have no idea where we're going to go next. I mean, all the the plots they left dangling, like I said the last time, after The Last Jedi, I can't trust franchises to <laughs> actually follow up with anything they set up. 
Well, what are some of the things that they, they left dangling that you feel? Well, the biggest one is that Dr. Brenner's still alive. Okay. So that's going to be something. Uh, we already saw that there is more than just 11. We found eight. So mm-hmm. could there be one through seven and then uh, nine, and nine and ten? And does that mean that 11 was the last one? I mean, there could technically be more than that, too. So, I mean, obviously, it's, it's zero one one. so they were planning to do at least three digits. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, just imagine how far they could get So with that. So I'm kind of curious where they go with that. Um, I'm sure at this point, Dr. Brenner will probably be warned because they let that one guy live. Mm-hmm. Um, and eight still out there with her gang doing who knows what. I mean, they with 11's help, they were able to find that one guy. Do they still have other people left to go and murder and burglarize? Well, do you think that eight at all was able to do any of the the um, remote location? No, no. It's pretty clear that her only real power is the ability to make uh, hallucinations. Okay, because um, like that was a really interesting misdirect at the beginning when they could do the cold open, uh-huh. and she makes it seem like she blows up that overhead or right. overpass. But it was just an illusion, and you find out that all that's all it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's really effective at it, but that's the limit of her power from what we can tell. Um, so while it is powerful, it'd be interesting to see if uh, some of the other people, if they are still alive, have similar powers, or if they're like just completely bonkers different, you know, like... One person can make themselves look like some, you know, basically you start to have mutant powers, essentially. Well, you have- that's what I was going to get at. Do you think that it's a it's a random thing that like each person develops a power randomly? Or do you think it was tailor made for her to do hallucination powers? I think it was random. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think there was any specific plan um, because they were just experimenting with remote viewing with um, with uh, L. And in the process, they started to figure out that she could also move things, you know, telekinesis. Um, and then the astral projection became something else where, like, she was then able to also travel into other dimensions. Um, so I would say that Eleven's probably the strongest of all the test subjects. But I think that some of the others will definitely have different powers. I, I've, I think, I mean, it's pretty obvious that Firestarter is one of the biggest influences mm-hmm. uh, on that aspect of this show. So I wouldn't be surprised if we're going to get a, uh, a a pyrokinesis at some point. Mm-hmm. And I would absolutely love it if they got Drew Barrymore to cameo for it. That would be pretty awesome. She does have a Netflix show. So if she's got oh, that yeah. Santa Clarita diet, I mean, the wouldn't Santa be so Santa Maria diet or something? Santa Cla- like I think Clarita? it's Clarita. Like, like, uh, like uh, Lost Boys, Santa Clarita. Oh, yeah. Okay. No. Was that Santa Prisca? I don't remember. It was like Santa Clarita or something. Was it Clarita? I think it is, yeah. Okay. Great place to live, but it wasn't for all those pesky vampires. Yeah. (laughs) You got to kill the head vampire. (laughs) Edward Herman. Uh, All right. Anything else you wanted to add? Uh, Good show. Only one, like, not great episode out of the whole bunch. So, um, not bad. That's a good streak to have. Keep going, you know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I'm excited for season three. I, I just have to say that, I mean, I, I the, the biggest problem I had is with, that they split up the group for so long. Like, I understand splitting it up so that it seemed a little different, but it just seemed like the group was apart for too long. Other than that, yeah, great, great season. I really do hope 
I guess I'm looking forward to maybe having all four of the main boys actually work together the whole time and still not have one of them be like incapacitated or separated like yeah. for most of the season they did. Before before the dance, I mean really has Will and L ever even seen each other? I mean, I guess I I guess Eleven did see him like remotely. She saw him in the upside down. Yeah. But like, I mean, they were never like in the same room together. No, physically, not until this the end of this season, basically. Yeah. Okay. So that was interesting that you pointed that out. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Wonder where they'll go from there. Well, see, I really, I, I really feel like they should. If anything, you could you could play off like a whole like. Uh, opposite ends of the magnet like if they get too close to each other weird shit could start to happen maybe they magnify each other somehow that become could, like he, wonder he, twins <laughs> could amplify her powers but it also like becomes more dangerous yeah more more volatile yeah okay yeah, now, now you're cooking you, you listen you listening there duffer brothers or duffer brothers duffer <laughs> duffer okay uh we got some ideas for you uh, all right cool uh if anybody has uh, some thoughts on these two episodes of the season finale the season as a whole we'd love to hear it please give us a, a holler out on twitter i'm at agent underscore of the underscore bat john's also on twitter as i am at magic bollocks the rest of geek elite radio is at geek elite radio on twitter at geek elite radio on instagram and facebook.com forward slash geek elite radio is our facebook page check out our website geek elite for archived episodes of this podcast and other podcasts on the geek elite radio network but until next time this is the geek elite Radio Network saying, always remember to geek, geek out. out. We now return you to your regularly scheduled program.